Hello, ladies and gentlemen. You are listening to BK Rock, and you're listening to your host, Cockroach King. Oh, yes. Today, we're going to ask the question, is God truly all-powerful? Is he invincible? Is he like some kind of Superman that exists within and without the universe where he could take a 100,000 bullets and it just doesn't seem to hurt him? This is a pretty interesting question because a lot of people look at the New Testament and there's a lot of people out there who believe in the Trinity. They believe that Jesus is God. So there has been questions asked, well, then how did Jesus actually suffer? How did he actually suffer whenever mankind spit on him and mocked him, beat him up, and then hung him on the cross? Can God actually die? If God can actually die, then how can he be invincible and all-powerful? Now, most Christians would probably try to argue, well, God was 100% man and God was 100% God. Basically, it was half and half, or however they see this equation working. However, it's pretty clear that when Jesus Christ was a baby, he required Mary and Joseph's assistance growing up. He needed their protection and their guidance. He needed them to teach him. They needed to be there in order to take care of his daily needs, even whenever he was a baby. Obviously, he would have needed diaper changing. He would have needed to be bathed. He would have been needing to be told, don't hang out with these kids because they'll get you into trouble. Don't do this, don't do that, and be careful, yada, yada, yada. How do we know that? Because the Bible actually tells us a lot of these vulnerabilities. Although Mary and Joseph were convinced by an angel in a vision that they were taking care of the child that is either the Son of God or God, however you look at it. If you're a oneness believer, so be it. Or you believe they're two separate entities. The point is, when you read about Jesus, you can see that when Herod called out his soldiers to slay all the babies, Mary and Joseph were convinced that Christ was vulnerable, that their son was vulnerable and could be killed. That's the reason why they ran. That is the reason why uh, Mary went to Bethlehem in the first place to have a child in order to be in a safe place. The people of that day were told that there's a prophecy of a child that would be born that would have magnificent abilities and powers. And these people were convinced that they could slay Jesus Christ. Now, it's pretty obvious that God was with Mary and Joseph the entire time, making sure that they didn't find themselves in a position where they themselves were fighting to the death against a bunch of raiders or religious dogmatic people trying to take out Jesus or thinking that it was the Antichrist of their day. God protected them and directed them where to go, where to live, who to be around in order to survive all those many years while Jesus Christ went through the growth period of what he was doing. Was he invincible? Is God invincible? In a way, if you were to make a comparison of physicality, you could argue that God, whenever he's in his truest form, he would be invincible. There's nothing in the universe that can actually take him out physically. 
like a nuke or a bullet, a knife, any of these kind of things, even being penetrated by nails and having your back laid across a splintered cross. However, if God actually came to the world and put himself in a human form, then this would have to have meant that in order for him to be taken like he was and be killed, then God would have had to use his powers and abilities to make himself vulnerable. He would have had to weaken his own frame in order for this to be the case. See, there's a part in the Bible where it says, Jesus says, no man can take my life. No man can take anything from me. I give it freely. So Jesus is saying, I can call upon 10,000 angels. I could do this. I could do that. But I'm not going to. So the question still remains, though. If this is true, then God can make it to where he himself can suffer, that he can experience and he can feel and he can know what it is to suffer like a man. But then there's one other problem, too. Someone may ask, was Jesus Christ afraid? Was there ever a moment where he was terrified? We know throughout the scripture, the Pharisees and Sadducees were constantly trying to tempt him. They were constantly trying to test him and put him on trial. They wanted to mock him so he would make a mistake or lose his temper and all these different issues so they could prove that he wasn't actually the Messiah. Now, believe it or not, if you read the Old Testament and you read about the prophecy, men were always meant to do this. In fact, Jesus Christ commanded to test all spirits, even those that claim they are of God. So the Pharisees and the Sadducees, when they were testing and they were asking all these questions, they were meant to do that. Now, you're probably going to ask yourself, well, if they were meant to do it, then why did Jesus get angry at them for? Why did he call them vipers and hypocrites? Well, there was also something else that people forget that Jesus said during these conversations. Here you are standing right before me. You can see who I am. You know who I am. Yet you continue to play the games that you're doing. You continue continuously being the snake. Jesus was basically saying that those who stood before him, they knew who he was, but they were doing it anyway. See, if you're testing someone to try to test their spirit or see what type of person they are because you're ignorant or don't understand what you're having communication with, then that's one thing. But if you already know someone's innocent, you already know someone's good, you already know that they're not doing anything wrong, yet you're trying to cause them to stumble every step of the way, then you, my friend, is working for someone else, and it's not Jesus or God. You are someone who is well aware of who it is you're talking to, but you continuously try to hurt them anyway, embarrass them, humiliate them, cause them to fall from grace, even whenever you know you're standing before the Son of God. And that's what they were doing. That's the reason why they were called hypocrites and liars, because they would accuse Jesus of doing things they themselves were not doing properly. Jesus never had a problem with being questioned. He never had a problem with people 
asking him about this and that. He loved being a teacher and teaching the ways and how to do things in your life. What he did not like is whenever someone went from being a student to trying to mess him up, trip him up, which is what they were doing constantly. Let me get me a drink of my coffee. But to get right down to the issue, is God all-powerful? Is he truly invincible? I would say no. He's not. He can actually suffer. He can even suffer in the form of God, even in his purest form. And we can see that whenever we read the Bible because God gets upset. God actually winces. Jesus Christ actually wept. We can see that God throughout the Old Testament as well as the New Testament was very disappointed and rejected a lot of the things that humanity was doing and it was upsetting for God. It bothered him. If you're a mother or a father and you're seeing things that your children are doing, whether you know they're going to do it or not, it's upsetting because you expect more from them. You created them. You gave them a manual. You gave them rules, and a lot of them you talk to them directly, yet they keep doing things anyway. And some people will say, well, if God already knew that this was going to be the case, then why did he make these people in the first place? I believe that when people ask questions like that, they are what we refer to as anthropomorphizing God. They figure that if they were in the place of God and they had the knowledge of something that was going to happen before it happened, that this somehow means that that's the only hallway to walk down. Because for them and their own human perception, their entire life is going from A to B to C to D to you know, over and over and over and over. But for God, in order for there truly to be free will, God's perception is so expanded and so open in its way that there's several hallways that can happen. A person could live their life making right choices, but God also knows that there's another hallway where they can do for the devil, or that there's some kind of hallway they'll go down where they pitfall. And for God, because his view is so expansive and his nature is based upon eternity and the beginning and end of the universe, he can see many, many different things in the same way that someone, if they had an hourglass or a periscope, they would be able to see vast multiverses on which way you could possibly do your life. Now, at the end of the day, no matter how many hallways there are and how many multiverses, obviously the logic is, is God's going to know either way. But you have to ask yourself a question here. If you're a mother or a father, and you're a person who pays close attention and has any kind of protectiveness about you whenever it comes to your own children, not everybody is, even though you know your child is going to make mistakes, even though you know they're probably going to end up doing the, some of the same things you did when you were a kid, even though you have full knowledge and you can foresee that your kid is probably going to screw up and do things, 
just because you have the knowledge of it doesn't make it to where when they do it, it's not going to hurt you any less. In fact, one could argue the fact that you know that your kid is going to do something disappointing might actually be more painful than if they were to surprise you. Sure, being surprised is a, a terrible thing to do, but you kind of have a process to go through. But for God, because he's eternal, he has to deal with the knowledge and understanding of what you may do terrible in your life, even before you're ever born. Again, you're probably going to argue, if you're one of these people who love to argue or debate, you're going to say, well, then why create people like this? Why do this? And that's like asking a mother or a father, why did you even have children for? You knew that the world was hard. You knew that the child may one day grow up and have their heart broken. You knew that your child could get hurt. And there's thousands of things that could literally go wrong that could impact your child as well as your life as you know it. A parent, just as God does, has to weigh life in this measure. Has to say, do I want to take a risk? Do I want to take a chance in order to bring life into existence? Do I want to be able to have that child live through me and I live through them? Even with all the choices they may make, all the mistakes they may do, still. And in this way, this makes God vulnerable. It makes God in, not invincible. Sure, you can't take a two-by-four to God. You can't run him over with an automobile. But you can hurt God by the choices that you make. And I think that that's one of the reasons why the devil does what he does, even though he's inevitably going to lose. That's why the demons and the darkness does what it does. Has anybody ever asked yourself, well, the devil, sure, he's a powerful entity, but God could simply snap his fingers and make the devil go away. But what if we weren't to just look at the devil like he was some kind of villain? What if we were to look at the devil as a child of God whom he once respected and was beautiful and had light coming off of him and all kinds of great things that God had gifted him and blessed him? Then you would have to think of God creating a child whom he wanted to take certain paths but chose to do what he did. It's not so easy just to tell a mother or father well, your kid's bad, your kid is terrible, why don't you just snap your fingers and make that child vanish? Why don't you just destroy them? Why let them continue to live? Why let them continue to have the opportunity to influence all the other children who are trying to do good and right? You know, if we think about it, it's not really that difficult to put your hand up and say, no, Satan, I'm not going to do that. It's not that hard. Satan's going to do the same routine. It's always going to be, you should be afraid. You should be scared. You should live in fear. You should take everything that you can get your hands on, even if it's not yours. Steal. Lie. Why tell the truth for? If you simply lie, then everything will be easier and you can get through this obstacle you found yourself in. The funny thing about lying, though, is had you not done the wrong thing in the first place, 
then you wouldn't be tempted to lie whenever the truth finally exposes you. The fact that God is allowing Satan to continuously exist, the demons as well as negative evil people who choose to do evil, shows that in this way God is not invincible, that he's vulnerable. His strength and his weakness all at the same time is the very thing that every mother and father live with daily, and that is your love is your strength but it also is your weakness because love hurts. If your own child lies, if your own child is set in motion to mock you, humiliate you, and try to show you to be a failure every chance they get, and then when they get their hands on you, they want to kill you, what is the way to be able to get through? When I look at the cross and I look at the story of why did the Son of God allow himself to be crucified, I wonder sometimes if this was meant, because some people, they look at it and they say, is his blood got like superpowers or abilities to where it can cleanse sin? Heck, some of the figures in the Bible even ask the same question. Uh, does your blood actually have the ability to be able to do all this? Perhaps there's more to just the symbolic nature of the cross and Jesus Christ going through this that people are not looking at. If God cannot truly die, but in this instance he can, then this is God showing that he does have absolute power. It means that although God in his nature cannot be killed, because of his very nature, and I know this sounds kind of oxy a little bit, he can make it to where anything is possible. See, if we were to say, if we were to argue that God cannot die, that he's invincible, then we would be arguing that Jesus Christ couldn't have been God in order for him to be able to be set to death. And if we were to say that God doesn't have feelings and that he can't be affected by the nature of mankind and the corruption in this world, then what would be the meaning and the purpose for Jesus weeping or God feeling sad or angry or wrathful at all? Wrathful is an emotion that you have whenever you want absolute justice. When you look upon the world and you see mankind doing unfair things to each other and it angers you, it angers you to the point where you decide that there's going to be something major in your plan where if mankind cannot resolve their issues with their own man-made courts, you're going to have your judgment day. When they die and they stand before you, they're going to be either condemned or resolved through your judgment. That shows me that God has a great deal of emotions and a great deal of compassion and mercy but he's also very angry on the way things went down. So no, God is not invincible. In order for God to be all-powerful, then God needs to be powerful enough to be a man. He has to have the power to understand human sentience. He needs to know what it feels like to be hit or hurt or harmed or even have his heart broken. 
And Jesus Christ is a perfect example. He's the very epitome of God's capabilities. The weakness becomes the strength. All right, ladies and gentlemen, I hope you enjoyed this bit. If you have any opinions, you can share with me on Facebook. My links are in the description.